to do that. So let's read the word of God. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 15. Already you'll have noticed some emphasis in the service on prayer. And this is the reason why. In fact, Paul prays then. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We know in our lives there are some things which are very important, but they're not vital. Education is very important, obviously. But you know you can get through life without being educated. Lots of people functionally illiterate in this country and so many in Kenya who are uh, illiterate and yet they live and many of them live very useful lives. Employment's important. But lots of people are not employed, and yet somehow they live. But nobody anywhere has lived without food and drink. That's absolutely essential. And prayer <clears throat> is on that level. We simply cannot live without prayer. I know you know that, but surely this is something being so vital that we need to remind ourselves again and again, and the Lord does that in the Scriptures. <clears throat> in the first half of this chapter, Paul has blessed God for six spiritual blessings in Christ, that is, that all Christians have. We've been elected to holiness, this is verses 3 down to 14. We've been predestined to adoption. We have been redeemed or we've been forgiven our sins. We have a knowledge of the will of God. It's called the mystery. We've obtained 
an inheritance. And the sixth one is that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. And it's after that that Paul turns to prayer. And you notice verse 15 begins with the words, for this reason. Now the reality is, I think I speak of every one of you as I speak of myself, that we struggle in prayer, don't we? It's not the easiest thing. First of all, we struggle to make time. We claim that our lives are so busy. <laughs> and then when we start to pray, we find we've got distracting thoughts and we struggle with those. We, after all, we've got other things to do, haven't we? Which are in the schedule. And then what do we pray for? That's a struggle. And then as we pray, we get weary. Sometimes sleep comes. How do we know that we struggle? Look at prayer meetings. I don't know about Maiden Bower, but many churches, it's just a, a proportion of those who are converted who come to prayer meetings. Again, I don't know about you here, but there's a reluctance so often to pray. There are gaps. Uh, we men who are commanded to pray in every place, we have reasons why we don't pray. And then, so often, there's little urgency or pleading with God. We've not learned much how to do that. There's a focus on our immediate physical needs. Not that that's wrong, but that tends to be where the focus is. Doesn't this reflect the struggles we have in our private praying? So we need to learn to pray. It's interesting that we'll put our hands and our minds to almost anything in this life to learn it. But have, have we thought about learning to pray instead of it just become, becoming natural if it does indeed? I trust we learn a lot from public prayer from the pulpit, we do, and from our brethren as we join together with them in prayer at prayer meetings. But have you ever consciously thought of this? In the last decade or two, computers and mobile phones and all the rest has come. Isn't it interesting how almost all of us have learned how to do it? Uh, even us older people who perhaps say, ah, this is beyond me. It's not beyond us, because we know we need to use it. So I'm seeking to show you this morning, to remind you, to put upon you from verses 15 and 16 here in Ephesians 1, the vital importance of prayer. Brethren, we cannot expect blessing from God if we don't pray, it's that straightforward.
James in his letter says, you have not because, thank you, you ask not. That's a preparation for Zambia. Okay. In other words, there, when you stop in the middle of a sentence, you get the, the congregation to, to respond, to show that you're with me. Jesus said, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. It's written on the surface of scripture, isn't it, that we must pray. So I've got two things this morning. First of all, why must you pray? Why must you pray? And I pointed out already those words for this reason. There are two uh, connected things here that impelled Paul to pray. And as the apostle of Jesus Christ, let us follow his example, as indeed he followed Christ's example. First of all, we must pray because of the blessings that we've already received from God in Christ. As I listed those six things, the Ephesians are partakers, along with Paul, the writer of the letter, in the most amazing spiritual blessings. And now he turns to the giver of those blessings to uh, bless him. Surely, that's what we do in life. Some young person has a need for uh, educational support at university or wherever, and somebody kindly gives it to you, and you turn back to thank them. Of course you do. How much more than to God, who's given us infinite and eternal blessings in Christ. And it may be specifically that Paul is thinking of the Gentiles, who in verse uh, 13 says, in him you also, which is probably a reference to the Gentiles, Ephesians were mainly Gentiles, you Gentiles have come into the same blessings as the Jewish Christians. And that's one of the great themes of Ephesians, isn't it? The unity of God's people uh, in in Christ. You say you are saved this morning? That God has saved you in Christ? Why are you saved? Is it because you come here to church every Sunday morning? You know it's not that. Is it because you give generously to the church? hope you do. But it's not the reason why you're saved, is it? As we heard from Luke chapter 7, uh, that lady is saved, she's forgiven. That's why she showed the love that she did. We're going to see that in just a minute. <clears throat> you know you're saved because God, because God, because God chose you in eternity before the foundation of the world. Verse 4. You know that you're a son of God because he predestined you to that end. You know you're forgiven or redeemed 
from sin because Jesus Christ shed his blood for you. You've come to have some understanding of the will of God because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you. You know that you are going to be kept and you're going to reach that inheritance because the Holy Spirit is the seal from God. Those are all things that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Blessed Trinity, have done on your behalf. And surely the response is, blessed be God for what he's done for me and for us. That's why Paul writes to the Corinthians who were boastful and he says what do you have that you've not received well let's ask ourselves that question <laughs> what is that we have in any realm at all but especially spiritually that we haven't received as a gift from God <clears throat> again this is why Paul writes to the Corinthians reminding them that you were not called because you were rich or mighty or, or somebody in this world. God calls those who are nothing as far as this world is concerned so that no human being may boast. Therefore, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. And if you don't bless God for those things, is that because you've never experienced them? Surely, it's the natural spiritual reflex when God pours out his blessings that we pour out our thanksgiving to him. Then the second reason, obvious reason, uh, here in verse 15, why Paul prays, is because of the news that he's received that God has continued to bless them. He knows the blessings they have in Christ, but blessings continue. He says, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Paul is probably in Roman imprisonment far away from Ephesus. Again, it's probably four or five years since Paul has been in Ephesus and he gets news. And the news is good. The Ephesians are continuing in their Christian profession and their Christian life. And Paul knows that is all of God. We tend to focus on problems, don't we? Just imagine a farmer. The seed he's planted is the best seed. It's really growing. But such is the, uh, the rain and the sunshine that even the weeds are growing up apace. He looks at his field and he complains, oh, look at these weeds that I have to deal with. 
And then he thinks about the hard work of, of manuring or fertilizing. Oh, it's been such a strain to do that. Yet all the while, staring him in the face, is a bumper harvest. And he can't see it. Isn't that us? We focus upon the problems which are there. The struggles which are there. And we forget the blessings that we receive daily from the Lord. You know, the fact that there are problems shows that something's happening, doesn't it? I mean, imagine the farmer looked out on his field, he sowed the seed, and it's completely bare ground. Well, there are no weeds, but of course nothing's happening. The fact that you do have struggles shows that you're alive, shows that the Lord is working uh, with you and in you. There are two things that clearly show that God is at work among these Ephesians. They're repeated in many of Paul's letters as he looks at the churches. There are at least these two, sometimes three, but these two things that Paul is uh, thankful to God for. It's their faith in the Lord Jesus and their love towards all the saints. We know that faith is a gift of God. It's not something that we work up. It's not something for which we are rewarded. Again, verse 8 of chapter 2 of Ephesians is going to tell us, isn't it? That, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God. Now, many people profess faith. They say, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They continue for a while, but many give up. You can think of people who, who've had that sad experience in this church. But the Ephesians, for these years now, they have continued. And continuing is not easy, is it? The Hebrews, because of the struggles of the Christian life, were being severely tempted to go back to their former Old Testament Judaistic religion. Many pagans were tempted to go back to their idolatry. After all, if you leave the idols, you leave the community. I mean, why would anyone trust a saviour who you can't see, who you've never met physically, and yet by believing in him, there's so much trouble in your life. Why would you continue on that way? Take a Somali Christian. I can think of one or two that I know. They profess faith. Maybe they're threatened with death. They're certainly excluded from their family, their wider family, their culture. Why would you do that? Why would you bring yourself under so much struggle? 
because you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You continue because you continue in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know he's the Lord. You know he rules because he died and rose again uh, from the dead. It's not to be taken for granted even as you see me again after two, three years that I've continued. That's the grace of God, isn't it? I'm not to take for granted that I'll see you here in three weeks' time. I'm not talking about death and sickness now. I'm talking about continuing in the faith. This is a great gift of God. One of the great privileges of going to many churches and travelling many parts of the world you see somebody today and it's 20 years when you see them again. And there we are. We can lock together in fellowship because the Lord has kept us. That really is a great blessing and an evidence of uh, God's grace so that we thank him. We pray to him. So I want to ask you then, is the Lord Jesus that central in your life so that you'll be willing to suffer anything to give up anything of course to take up your cross that means to deliberately choose a course of action that you know will bring you into trouble are you willing to deny yourself That's what it means then to have continuing faith in the Lord Jesus because he's the one who's the most precious to you. Give me Christ, the hymn says, or else I die. So test yourself, test your faith and do it by your praying. What Paul has been praying so far has it got anything to do with you? Do you pray for these blessings? Do you thank God that these blessings have come upon others? Because here Paul is being thankful for the saints. But are you conscious yourself that you're so unworthy to come into God's presence? That you can only do so through Christ. That's why we pray in Christ's name. Then, of course, there's this second thing here in verse 15. I've heard about your love towards the saints. I know that means you are still faithful Christians, and I'm thanking God for that. Faith and love go together, logically in that order. If you have faith in Christ then that will lead you to love others who have the same faith. As someone has said, the magnet that draws sinners to Christ also draws sinners to each other. Again, the scripture says, faith without works is dead. And that's in the context of loving our brethren in James chapter 2. 
Elsewhere, Paul says, faith works by love. How do you know someone has faith in Christ? It works by love, and particularly loving one another. You just read John's first letter, which is full of such teaching. Here it's love towards all the saints. There's emphasis on all of them, not the ones who are your age or who have a similar educational background to you. Because let's face it, that's our danger, isn't it? Um, but all the saints, whoever they are, however they differ from us physically, culturally and so on, we love them because God loves them. They are the people of God. It's interesting, the word saint uh, is always in the plural. These are the people who are holy ones. Yes, we are holy. Of course, immediately you say, but I know I've got so much uh, unholiness in me. But you are holy in the sense that you are separated from the world you've been called out from the world to belong to God that's what it means basically to be holy you are God's we're going to see that uh, in a few weeks time from verse 18 that we are God's inheritance we love one another because of who we are. I don't know what experiences you've had, but I remember uh, still very clearly back in 1968, that's quite a long time ago, as a young man, and I went out to Kenya. Never been there before. Uh, never been to Africa before. Um, went to some place uh, 200 miles uh, north of Nairobi, which had only been introduced to uh, any roads of any sort just a few years before I got there. So here I am, a young man, don't know anybody uh, in the school. And six <coughs> men come to visit me one Sunday afternoon. David and uh, people like that. We sit down in a circle and each one gives me their testimony. Let me cut it short. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my saviour. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ in my, as my saviour. I tell them the same thing. We're united, aren't we? We're saints. And uh, what a blessing that was uh, for, for me to have others love me though I was very young quite different to them couldn't speak their native language didn't know their culture but because we're Christians there's that bond which draws us together that's true of an earthly family isn't it that typically there's almost nothing that can separate people who are in a family. There's that warm attachment, there's that concern for one another. 
No sacrifice, we might say, is too great. Should it not be that and even more in our love for one another? We should delight to be together. Visit one another, pray with one another, help when there are problems and encourage and uplift when there's disappointment. Don't leave it to the pastors. This is something that's true of all the saints as we use the gifts that God has given to us. It's easy to say we love God. So the Bible puts the emphasis somewhere else, doesn't it? Uh, if God so loved us, it doesn't say we ought to love God, but it says we also ought to love one another. So you see, here's one of the great marks of a Christian. What did Jesus say as he was leaving them? I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Hereby men will know that you are my disciples, in that you love one another. And our Lord is such an example, isn't it, of loving the saints. Think of his patience, his forbearing with their weaknesses. And even uh, when they forsook him, he didn't forsake them. I'm sure there's much love for the saints in this church. Do you recognise it as God's gift? And do you thank God for it in others? Instead of pointing out the weaknesses, even the sins that we all have, don't we? Instead of emphasising those, seeing what God has done. So that leads us on to the second thing then that we see here. Not simply why we should pray, but how we should pray. And we'll carry on with this uh, this evening. But there are two things uh, generally that should be part of our praying. And the first one is thanksgiving. I do not cease, verse 16, to give thanks for you. Thanksgiving is such a vital part of prayer. Do you realise how often that is pointed out in the scripture? Let me read a few verses to you. First of all, in Ephesians 5 and verse 20. What's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit? Well, it's interesting, it's not speaking in tongues here in Ephesians 5. One of the things is verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he can't emphasise it more than that, can he? All the time, in everything, Always giving thanks. You know, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious. But in everything, I prayer with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. In Colossians, 
chapter 4 and verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, he tells the Colossians, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We read at the beginning of the service, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, those very short verses. Um, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances when it's autumn in summertime. When we have the wettest July since whenever. Um, when you go on holiday and the sun hardly shines through the clouds. But that's what it's saying. Give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Timothy 2.1 1 First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. We probably rightly complain about those in high positions in our country. At least there are certainly things to complain about. But isn't it better to at least have a government instead of having a failed state like Somalia? We've things to be thankful for, haven't we? Um, if you go to Kenya, you won't see a window like that one. Oh yeah, the glass is there, but there's metal all over it. For protection so that people can't break the glass and just walk in. That's completely everywhere. Uh, so if you want a good job there, you know what to, to do. <laughs> um, even here, we, we find something to be thankful to God for. There's always room for that. So you'll find as you read Paul's letters that he expresses his thankfulness to God uh, all the time because he recognises that everything that we have is from God. And we need to learn, we need to train ourselves, we need to deliberately turn to thanksgiving. Our prayers must be much more than just bringing our problems to God, we're invited to do that, aren't we? Cast your burdens on the Lord. More than just request for more blessing. Well, if we want more blessing, that says that we already had blessing for which we should be thankful. When we think about others, other churches, other people, people in this church, let's learn to thank God for them. And this will encourage us to conquer that tendency we have of jealousy and gossip and division because we're looking at people and situations differently. Do you pray for others? Do you pray for different members of the church? Do you recognise that we're all part of a spiritual family? That we all call God our a father, and despite all the weaknesses that we have, which you could quickly find in me, and no doubt I could find in you, that we're thankful what the Lord has done. 
We're not what we ought to be, but thank God, we're not what we used to be. Then secondly, there's just this word prayer. Uh, There's thanksgiving, and then uh, he says, remembering you in my prayers. If there are those six blessings we have in Christ which, for which we're dependent on God, if our continuing Christian lives in terms of faith and love are from God and we're dependent upon him for them, isn't that true then of today and the future? We continue to be dependent upon God as plants are dependent upon continual water and so we must pray for one another is this obvious it is obvious isn't it but we must do it and it can become wearying because sometimes we don't know what to pray but we have the example of our lord say the real lord's prayer in john 17 that whole chapter christ's high priestly prayer when he prays for those with him and those who are yet going to believe. And we've got all these examples of Paul. Could I suggest something to you here? Why not look at Paul's letters and see all the times, especially at the beginning, but it's not only the beginning, it's often towards the end, where Paul expresses his prayers for the people. What does he pray about? We want to begin to look at that, God willing, uh, this evening. But let's remind ourselves, my brethren, that we are in a spiritual battle. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. Our enemies are spiritual, they're unseen forces, aren't they? Again, this very letter says so in Ephesians chapter 6 at the end. You know, Paul's antidote is, he says, put on the whole armour of God. And finally, he says in chapter 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. He seems to be saying you can't even put the armour on without prayer. Or as you put the armour on, don't just trust in the armour. Be praying to the Lord in the Spirit, by the the power of the Spirit. Keep alert. Keep praying. Because you recognise there's no let up in the battle. Do you pray for your pastor? I'm sure you do. Do you focus upon his lacks, his problems, which I'm sure... He has, as we all have. (laughs) But pray for those then, as you thank God for him. Pray for him lovingly in those areas of of weakness that maybe he's uh, exposed uh, to you. Do you pray for one another? Do you have a list of members of the church? As you grow, then it can be easy to forget some, can't it? But all need to be prayed for. They're all saints. Uh, 
So remember this as we started, that we're absolutely dependent on God in Christ. That's why we've received what we have. We can't expect that we will continue in the faith without prayer. We can't expect that we will grow without prayer. We can't expect that this church will grow numerically, that people be converted without prayer. I know you're praying, you want to pray on Monday evening. Don't get weary. One thing that I purposed a long time ago when I was young, when I would talk with somebody, would always finish with a time of prayer. Problem we have, we talk, 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 and then, oh, we look at the watch, it's time to go, and there's no time to pray. Why not make it a practice when there's a meaningful time of visitation, or even just a few minutes, to always pray, to always pray. That is what the Bible is telling us to do. Let's put it into practice, brethren, which is why I'm bringing it to you. Uh, I know what I believe, and I know what you believe. May the Lord bless us and help us to be a praying people. And, O oh Lord, may you bring down your blessings upon us. So let's pray now. We thank you for your word, O oh Lord. We thank you that we have this access to you in prayer, that through the blood of Christ we can come into your holy presence. We can thank you and we can beseech you for ourselves, for one another. You've, you've exhorted us to pray, to stand in the, the breach, as it were. And we thank you that you are such a gracious God who delights to give more than we delight to pray. So, Lord, hear us now and use your word. Help us as a church to be prayerful to encourage one another and help us especially to be filled with thanksgiving. We thank you for what we've heard. We thank you for your word and its truth. and pray that you will help us to live by it for your glory. And all these things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour.